0: spiritual gifts Ephesians chapter 4 but before we get there we're going to be walking through chapter 2 again okay we got we got to be reminded what God's scripture has to say for us this morning and when it comes down to it it's kind of like God has created a song with his church and when it comes together Jesus brings our harmonies together under his melody that we we become his masterpiece really the the depiction of this masterpiece that he's talking about is is a masterpiece of an artist, right? We become his image and things. I've changed that to music this morning a little bit, but it's the same concept. It takes the same thing. The tools have got to be worked through Christ for us to get there. So Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to start in 1 through 3 this morning. It says, "...once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins." Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins, when we find that, when we accept that in our hearts, then we can move forward. I am a sinner. I have messed up. I need a savior. There's only one who can save me from my sins. It's Jesus Christ. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Subject to God's anger. There's a stronger word for that. It's subject to God's wrath. When we are subject to God's wrath, that means we are destined for hell. What does that mean? We are destined to be separated from God, and there's only one who can save us. Forever believes in him will live forever. Just like we sang this morning, right? So sin conceals our true potential in Christ. It, sin tries to make life look delicious. It makes it look like this. Hey, this is a great melody. If you just followed it this way, we could go like everybody else. But what we find wide is the road to destruction. Our lives before Christ, it's like a symphony without a conductor, or maybe the wrong conductor, which would even be worse, with borrowed instruments, instruments that are in disrepair. They're squeaking, they need new reeds, they've got dents in the wrong places, stri- restricting airflow and all the stuff. And on top of that, we're playing our own tune. We're playing what we want to hear, we're playing what we want to see, and then we are... and everybody who would hear that they're they're running away from the noise, right? They don't want to hear a music played by all different tempos, all different whatever. If we heard something like that, we wouldn't call it music at all, we would call it noise. We would turn off the radio, we would throw away any recording of it because it's worthless. It is not special and is unrefined. And Christ reaches into that music, and he pulls out a melody that is soothing to him. And he says, come with me. Play your harmonies around this, and you're going to hear a melody that will play in your heart, like we sang about last week. In my heart there rings a melody, right? With heaven's harmonies. We might see the potential in each one of these instrument players, and sometimes it makes That makes it all the more frustrating. You can hear that this part's trying to go with this part, but they're playing way too loud and they're playing too soft or vice versa. Or they're playing different keys, but they're playing the same thing along and it doesn't work. Because the maestro, he wants to take and work us together, but we refuse. Either it's out of selfish pride, which is I can do it all by myself, as I would call our two-year-old self, right? Or it's self-pity, I'm not good enough to play. Nobody wants to hear me both come out of pride. You're like, well, how can self-pity come out of pride? Well, it's because you're saying your, your sins are so great that n- nobody can heal them. Well, that's, that's a lie because Christ is greater than all our sins. We turn to the idea that it feels good. Let's do it. It feels good to play loud. I want to play loud. It feels good to play soft. I want to play soft. But you're playing the tuba. You can't play the tuba soft. I tell you what those tuba players, you got to watch them. As a result, pleasure corrupts our mind. Our wants become our needs and our wants soon control our actions. The result is God's wrath, right? We just read about it there in Ephesians. That's what Romans chapter one is all about. You want to find out about God's wrath and why it's coming. It is Romans chapter one. We're, We're all destined to go to hell unless somebody steps in. That's Romans chapter five. Ooh, skip to the good part, right? Every time we choose our wants, or we choose ourselves, we walk away from God. That is called sin. But praise God, he does not leave us there. Praise God, he wakes us. He gives us a wake-up call, and he brings us back to Jesus. Jesus brings our harmonies together under his melody, and we become his masterpiece. We continue on in Ephesians chapter 2, look at 4, 5, and 6. It says, but God is so rich in mercy, which we sang about this morning, he... Loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. He raised Christ from the dead. It is not only God's grace that you have been saved, or it is only by grace, God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. We become part of his song. Are you excited about this? This got my gizzard this week, All right? How do we do this? Why do we do this? Why did he do this? Because we're not a waste, right? We have abilities. We we are designed in his image. We are not a waste. We are not trash to be discarded. We are not somebody to give up on. Oh, he's not talented enough. Come back when you're ready. How many people believe that? You have friends that don't come to church because I'm not good enough to come to church? That's a lie right there. Right? I need to be good enough to come to church. That's a lie. None of us here are good enough to be here. Right? If, if that were the qualification, the, the pews would be empty. We understand that we are not good enough and that Christ is the only way we can be good enough. Okay. We are a priceless masterpiece when he is the conductor, when he becomes the maestro, and he has created us for his good pleasure, and we can find rest in that. That gives us an identity, That gives us something to strive to be. Like a master conductor, Christ draws us out what sin has kept in chaos. Okay? One of the greatest temptations in the world is the quit in the midst of the struggle. I give in to that addiction because I've always done it in the past. I give in to... um, that false lie about myself, that I'm not good enough. I give in to X, Y, and Z. I give in to my pride. I'm the greatest in the world until I'm not. I'm the most beautiful. I give in to my vanity. But to get to the true music, Christ keeps refining and tuning the instrument to his nature and therefore destroying the simple nature that is in us. To press on and push through is how Christ finds the correct Tune, tuning, pace, tempo. The real music, right? We are now saved from sin and darkness. Christ shines a lamp unto our feet and a light unto the path, and the result is God's emphatic masterpiece. We sit in awe and we listen. Where would you say that God's emphatic masterpiece is right now? You ever go outside in the nature and just listen? Listen. I think nature sings God's emphatic masterpiece. Now you gotta get out a little bit out into the country, maybe go down to the sticks, right, Roger, and you just sit out there and listen. Listen to the crickets, working with the birds, working with the whatever. You know, there's there's so much going on. The cattle are lowing, you know, it, it all fits together. The grass is rustling, the trees are going. It's all part of God's song. When we get to heaven, I think we will be a part of that song. All everyone here that's that is tone deaf that think they can't sing, they're going to get to heaven and say, "This is my part. This is what it was." I wondered why I, I droned on like I did. This makes sense now. It all makes sense to the Lord, right? He created us. We know this because Jesus brings our harmonies together under his melodies and he becomes his masterpiece. Ephesians 2 Eight and nine, the most important theme of the Bible is right here. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You cannot take credit for this. It's a gift from God. God's grace, That means unmerited favor. There's. I can't get a merit badge and go to heaven. I can't um, do Hail Marys and get to heaven. I can't walk... Old ladies across the street and get to heaven. I can't feed Jerry's kids, or I can't give to St. Jude and get to heaven. Those are all substitutes that are all works-based. I can't work at the food pantry and go to heaven. It's got to, I'm saved by God's grace. i got to tell the world about it. I'm going to do it by giving away food. Big, big difference there. I can't emphasize that enough or often enough because that's where we get changed, especially in our American culture, right? Is by those things. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it. I can't go into heaven and say, look at me, I was a pastor for so many years, and uh, I believe I belong up here, right? What does Christ say about that? He says, when you walk into the banquet, and I'm thinking the big banquet, you know, when we all get to heaven, don't go up and sit next to the host, Jesus. Go down at the bottom of the table and sit down there. And then when the host sees you down there and says, what are you doing down there? So-and-so, get up and you go, you guys switch places. You weren't supposed to be down there, right? But you let your host give you the glory, right? Right? You don't take that glory for yourself. Don't assume upon it. Christ does not, because Christ's melody in us creates a masterpiece through us. Do you know that Christ uses us to create his song? Isn't that pretty amazing? He doesn't have to, but he does. Something that's been working my brain in my prayer life, I do not like to say, Lord, use me too, because I think that limits God's power through me, right? But there are times when God chooses to use me. So I got to refine my prayers, not only, hey, but if you choose to use me, so be it, right? If it's in your will, then I'm willing to be used. I still need to be willing to be used. And that's something that's Christ's melody in us, creates a masterpiece through us. I still got to play my instrument, right? For the music to come out. But Christ is conducting. Christ is pulling it all together. Christ is telling me what to play. Pretty amazing. Christ does not have to use a broken church to create his symphony, yet he chooses an imperfect instrument, an imperfect player, to show a broken world that they can be complete in his melody, with their harmony, if they follow the true conductor, Christ Jesus. Why? This is it. Ephesians 2.10, since we've been saved by grace, since we want have this in our hearts, we can, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things. He planned for us long ago. He planned for us long ago. My Arminian side goes, what? That's a little predestined, right? But it is. How am I going to argue with the sovereignty of God? I can't. They work together. I, I can't explain it. I'm not smart enough. You'll have to ask Josh on that one, right? He's like, no, right? We can't explain God. He does it. I'm not, why argue about it, right? God's awesome. He wants me to be a part of the plan. He gives me the choice to be a part of his plan, but he's got a plan and he's got, he's got spots in there that I fit in. Wow. That's an awesome God. That's bigger than I can comprehend. I stopped trying too a long time ago. And yet, it seems like tomorrow I'll start again, right? The result. So the result, right? The masterpiece, the result. Christ infused in us creates this masterpiece. The result is we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which results in good works. We are who Christ Christ chooses to work through. When our hearts are right with God first, then he chooses to work through us. When we are not right with God, he can't work with us. Now, I I, I gotta say that. He can't work as good through us. God can work through anybody he wants to, right? He can work through Pharaoh, right? But I think we can walk in tune with him, and when we're walking in tune with him, it walks magically almost through it. And you're like, wow, I'm just walking through sunshine here, right? And it's starting to feel good. Thanks, Craig. Man, oh boy. If you ain't getting those, we got a lot more that are, you're just gonna, we're crashing already, right? Christ chooses to work through us. We are built up in Christ. He is our cornerstone according to Ephesians 2.20. He is our standard. He keeps us up straight and true. He is the glue that holds us together, Ephesians 2.21, and it is growing. We are the project and the workers, Ephesians 2.22. Christ works in us. Christ uses us for his good work. Okay, catch that. Christ works in us and on us, and he uses us for his good work. Okay, we haven't arrived, but he chooses to use us anyway. Why does he do that? Because when they, somebody looks at Pastor House or somebody looks at anybody else you yell from White Rose, and he's like, you didn't used to be like that. God's doing something in you or something's different about you. That's the name of our youth group. And has changed you. What's changed about you? Well, Jesus is in me, right? He has changed me. I couldn't do this on my own. The result, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, which results in good works. God gets all the glory, and we need to be okay with that. For a glory hog like me, I'm getting better, getting better at that. Because Jesus brings our harmonies together under his melody, and we become his masterpiece. So how is Christ's mission accomplished? Flip on over to the next chapter, Ephesians chapter 3 verses 10, 11 and 12. God's purpose in all of this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety and all the unseen rulers and authority in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now boldly we can come boldly and confidently in God's presence. Wow. Because we have Christ, we can approach the throne of God, right? Think about this. What does that mean for me as a believer? When I die, I'm going to be in the presence of Lord Jesus, right? We, I can now approach the heavenly throne because Christ is in me. I have an identity in Christ. Who am I identifying with? I am nobody. Christ is everybody. He allows me to come into a relationship with him, and I can be in relationship with the Father now. Wow, that's pretty cool. The masterpiece reflects the master. Okay? You ever hear that about Mozart? You ever hear that about Beethoven? You ever hear that about Handel? or anybody else that's been a maestro in the days. The masterpiece reflects the master. You can say, oh, that's, that's Mozart. I can hear the, the tune there right away. I can hear Handel coming through with Handel's Messiah and, and um, many others. Beethoven, dun-dun-dun-dun, right? You know, that's Beethoven, right? The instruments they use and what was at their disposal and stuff too helps as well. Christ works through his power to infuse himself into our song. Christ chooses to empower the church. Does he have to use the church? Does he have to use broken people? No, he does not. He is all powerful, but he chooses to use the church because he wants relationship with each one of us. He wants a relationship with you. It's us that don't always want a relationship with him. It's our choice. Christ chooses to empower the church. This was his plan for all time. Christ lives in our hearts, transforming us into his image. As he transforms several of us together, it results in a disciple making community that transforms those around them. When Christ is in you and working through each one of us, we can boldly approach his throne and make requests of our of our all-powerful God, and he will answer favorably because we are walking in his will. Not will house, right? God's will, right? When you walk in God's will, he's like, yes, yes, I want to answer that. I'm there for you. Does he mean he answers right away? Sometimes. You ever get those answers right away? Sometimes you do. Sometimes you got to wait, and sometimes you got to wait more. And more. Which ones are more rewarding? Generally, the ones you had to wait for a long time, right? It's tend to be more rewarding. What's the danger of getting answered right away every time? My danger for me is, God, look at what you've done for me, right? Instead of, look what I've asked for of you. That's pride. So sometimes God makes us work in the suffering, work in the hard times to produce things that are favorable, things that are lasting, things that can make us who we are because he molds us in the suffering. Bless you. The result, the church works the mission of salvation to the lost, the broken, and the hurting because Jesus brings our harmonies together under his melody, and we become his masterpiece. And now we get to chapter 4. Took all that to set up chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, 12, and 13. Now these are the gifts of Christ given to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come under till we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Right? There's a process that we can go through to become more like Jesus. And I think we can act like Christ for periods of time. Sin gets in that way. We need to clean up, and we go, again, Jesus does that with Peter, right? You don't need a whole bath. You just need to clean your hands and feet, and then you get back in the game, right? Don't let that pride overcome you, Peter. That's not what we're about here, right? We're going to give God the glory. Now let's, let's get back in the game, right? Friends, the church is empowered by the gifts of the Holy Spirit, okay? Spiritual gifts. Christ gives us the tools. When we receive the Holy Spirit in our heart, God equips us with spiritual, at least one spiritual gift, sometimes several spiritual gifts, okay? Christ gave us the gifts to build up the church, to build up the other believers. So build up the church build up other believers. Gifts to strengthen the church, strengthen each other with the exception with the expectation that we will continue to grow those gifts, grow one another, and we will all be complete in Christ, right? It's to draw others unto Christ and draw others higher or deeper in, with their roots in Christ. The evidence of this, the evidence of spiritual gifts, the evidence of Christ in the church is Christ's victory over Satan, over death and the sin that is deposited because of the spiritual gifts in the church. The spiritual gifts are the tools that we can attack our sin. They're to attack the kingdom of the devil. right? Do we do that with arrogance under our own power? No, we do that under the name of Jesus Christ and under His authority. And if your heart's not right before you go on the attack, you're in trouble, right? Not always, but it can catch up to you really quick. That's the seven sons of Sceva. I hope they made it to heaven so we can all ask them about it, right? They made the Bible, right? What'd they do? They started going around in the name of Paul, the name of this Jesus that he talks about, come out. And it worked for a long time. It worked for a long time. And then they got a powerful demon and says, I know about Paul and I know about Jesus, but I don't know about you. And one man beat, bloodied seven guys and sent them out of the house naked, right? Because they weren't prepared um, to take them on because their heart was in the right place. Because it requires faith. So how does Christ give us spiritual gifts? By the ascended Christ to every believer for the profit of others, through the Holy Spirit's sovereignty at the time of salvation on a basis of faith to produce the life of Christ, our master conductor, in every believer. Okay, let me say that again. By the ascended Christ to every believer for the profit of others through Christ, through the Holy Spirit's sovereignty, at the time of salvation, on the basis of faith, to to produce the life of Christ in every believer. So we can continue to walk in faith and walk together. He gives us the tools. Does he give us all the tools? One person? No. I think the only person that's ever manifested all the tools consistently all the time is Christ Jesus. He's the only one that's done it. Okay? He does that so we're dependent on one another. Right? We're dependent on each other. And the church has to come together. So we have 10 percent. Principles for understanding spiritual gifts. One and two go together. It says every Christian has one or more spiritual gift. Number two, many believers have received more than one spiritual gift. I know I have more than one, okay? Spiritual gifts are given at the moment of regeneration or salvation, but they may lie undiscovered and dormant for a long period of time. If you don't develop your spiritual gift, you don't know you have it. All right, so it's good to test each one of them. And you know, you can ask other people, do you think I have the spiritual gift? Maybe, maybe not. Here's some ways, some ways to try it. Number four, spiritual gifts can be abused and neglected, but if they are received at regeneration, it will appear, it does appear, that they cannot be lost. Okay? Just because you don't use it, you don't lose it. It means you need to get right with God first. You've got to wash those hands and feet and get your heart clean. And then God will start to use that gift over again. Okay? Anybody ever seen that's walked away from the Lord and they come back to it, they don't lose their spiritual gifts. They may actually discover one that they didn't put into practice very well and continue to use the one they had. Spiritual gifts are not the same as the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's salvation, right? That's justification. When we are justified, Christ says, that's my boy, that's my gal. They're in my house. They're my family. That's the gift of salvation, okay? That's called justification. So when we get to the heaven, we're justified by Christ's name written in our hearts that I can get into heaven, okay? That's what justification is, okay? It's not the same as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I knew I forgot one. Yeah, see? Those omega threes are working, (laughs) We are talking about that this morning. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. Those are character. That's character that you see. If you start seeing that character develop in your life, that's not a spiritual gift. It's a blessing and it's a gift from the Lord. It's fruit from putting your time in the Bible, praying to Jesus, submitting to him. That's where that comes from. Spiritual gifts are not the same as natural talents, though they can look a lot alike. Okay, What's a natural talent that looks a lot like spiritual gifts? Okay, here's one. Discernment. There's a spiritual gift of discernment. So you can use that to, for a few different things. You can use that to find if somebody's lying. You can see that to fi- si- see if somebody's possessed by a demon. Okay, that's so gift of discernment. There's a few other things in there. But if somebody has been conditioned all their life around liars, they can naturally find a liar, Right? Have you ever had somebody that, okay, we play this game in youth group. It's called um, Mafia. And we play one that's also called Murder in the Dark. It's the same thing, okay? Um, what's the Among Us? It's, if you've heard that on the, the games little kids are playing, it's the same principle, okay? You have to have headsets in there to be able to hear people. But you can discern by looking across the room who's lying. And you can tell who's been in a lying environment, because they, they can pick those guys out, the, the person that's it, they can pick them out like that, instantly. They can be like, it's that person, that person, that person. And then the doubt will come from the, the crowd. No, it can't be with them. I was with them the whole time, and I've done this, and sometimes they get accomplices and all this stuff. But you can see, they can look around the room, and they can find them right away. And some of them are uncanny, at that Craig is really good at that he can spot a liar a mile away i'm getting better at spotting um, but sometimes I can't do it very well there but when you already know as a leader you can learn how how do they show that they're lying some of them get really quiet some of them talk too much some of them do a mixture of of both those are the ones that are hard those are called pathological liars then you got to watch them with your toilet paper rolls. I'm not really. We haven't had any problems with our toilet paper rolls in a long time, so I'm just being silly. Uh, but those are usually the ones that put a hole in the, in the church wall and they don't want to tell you, right? Um, because they think they're going to get in trouble because their home life reflects that, right? But they found, hey, let me know. We'll get that fixed. Boom. We're good to go, right? So some spiritual gifts are more useful in local churches than others because they res- result in a greater edification of the body. Teaching and preaching generally get more, but we know from this group in this church, the gifts of service are just as important. We see this over the food pantry. We see this on, on uh, uh, potluck Sundays. You don't want me in charge of the potluck. I can tell you that for free, right? <laughs> what, what would happen we would get here, and we'd all eat pasta that wasn't cooked. And we'd be like, <laughs> all right, who put Shane in charge of the pasta, right? Let alone the potluck. Piper would like it, but nobody else would, right? She likes those little pasta sticks. Um, charistama, the, that literally means the grace gifts. So when we receive salvation, we receive these spiritual gifts. These gifts are sovereign and undeservedly given by the Holy Spirit. The gifts are God's spiritual equipment for effective service and edification of the body. These are the 10 principles for understanding that are on this. If you wanted to read those, it's from Chip Ingram's study on this. There's five copies in the back, and there's one here. Even though this one's printed upside down and backwards sometimes. Not backwards, but upside down. The framework that we get the spiritual gifts come from four different passages in the bible okay they come from romans chapter 12 which i tend to put the most weight on they come from first corinthians chapter 12 ephesians chapter 4 which is probably the second weightiest and the last one is first peter chapter 4 which i probably enjoy the most why do i enjoy first peter or first peter chapter 4 because peter keeps things sim- simple he breaks them into two service into service groups and a preaching groups or teaching groups. He's like, there's service groups, there's teaching groups, and that's all we have to worry about, right? Peter was pretty simple. Paul is a lot more complex. He breaks them down even more and uh, gets more onto this thing. So I'm just a moron, so I don't remember these things like that. So I could have at least gotten amen. That would have been funny, (laughs) right? The The critical question, how do you organize these well, Chip's done a really good job. I didn't reinvent the wheel. I let him do that. He's got a great study out there if you ever want to do that. Listen to his audios. I did something very similar to his um, back in 2000. You can go back and listen to that on the archives if you want to. Okay, I'm going to give you a brief one, but basically it's the back page of this, right? It takes the. He talks about motivational gifts, ministry gifts, and then manifestation gifts. Motivational, there's seven different categories. Out of those, it breaks down into different types of service, but they come out of this first category and different kinds of workings that also come from the first and second category. So is it intricate? Is it complex? Yeah, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, for crying out loud, right? But sometimes it's kind of simple, right? The gift of healing is the gift of healing, right? We pray to God. We ask for it his authority, and they're either healed or they're not, right? Sometimes it works because there's no sin in their life, and everything's working together. Sometimes there's a block because of sin. Those are things you've got to have somebody with discernment there to figure things out. Sometimes God's like, you're just going to stay the way you are, right? That's 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says, there's a thorn in my side. My grace is sufficient, meaning... When people look at you, they see the deficiency in you, and they're like, that guy can't be doing this all by himself. It's got to be something bigger than him. It's God, right? That's what that means. Okay, let's continue on. I'm third of the, two-thirds of the way done. The critical question is how you organize those. So we go to 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. It says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is in this source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. There, God works in different ways, but it is the same God who works the work in all of us. Okay, so we see the three different categories there, right? We have service gifts and works gifts, and then the um, the motivational gifts. I was trying to think, how can I... Say this that is a practical way to get this across. What I came up with four years ago was this, and I thought it worked really well, so I'm repeating it again. So it, it's kind of like spiritual gifts would be when you think of a structure. And when I'm talking about structure, I'm talking about a building. When you start building from scratch or you're putting an addition on a house. It's kind of like construction. In construction, there are many jobs. There are many responsibilities. We have operators. They come and they dig the foundation. Without the foundation being dug, we wouldn't have any place to put it. In Illinois, we've got to go at least four foot down or else it's going to heave and we're going to mess up the rest of the building. So somebody's got to know how to do that. They've got to know how much cement to put underneath those things. They dig the foundations the laborers they pour the footings and the foundations carpenters they come alongside and they build the walls they lay the foundations they get the building water tight and then we have the roofers that come and then we have hvac that comes in we have plumbers and we have the flooring guys we have electrical we have guys that put on the drywall we have painters we have more carpentry we have designers, we have the furnishings, and there's probably quite a few more that I've left out. And then we have the little rugrats that come and tear it all down again. Just kidding. Uh, no. Then we have love that goes into the building. That's what we call that, right? And all to make a lovely home, all to make it so it's livable. And each one of these trades, they had the, each had their own set of tools. And we don't take and use a paintbrush as a hammer. And likely we wouldn't use a hander for a sander. And each tool has its purpose. Could they be used for those things? Certainly, but they're not going to be used effectively. And each tool does the work it's designed to do and all manifests itself and they result in a house with the workers that have been placed in there. On a spiritual level, where is God in all of that structure? Where would you put God in all of that structure? Well, first, he's the GC, right? He's the general contractor. He's the guy that's orchestrating all the trades to make it work because he is the head of the body, right? That's what we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He oversees the hard work, but he's also the electricity that powers the tools. He is the nails that hold the structure together. He's the rebar in the concrete, and he is the master of the house. He's moving in with us. Whoa, right? Because that's what it means to give God the glory. We build the house. We don't say, look what I did. We say, look what you did, Lord. Now come live with me. I invite you in so we can work this together. Like this house so is the church in its many parts. While many times we see the results of the strongly built structure, we don't always appreciate the hard work it takes to expand the building or to build the building. It takes everybody. It takes everyone. Spiritual gifts need to be developed to build up the believer and the church. This is why Christ brings our harmonies together under his melody that we become his masterpiece. I'm going to give you five reasons why Christ does this to close. Five reasons and we're done. I've got about seven minutes, I'm guessing. Five reasons why we need to develop our spiritual gifts. Number one, direction and purpose for your life. What do we struggle with as a country, especially in our young people today? It's our identity. Who are we? Who am I? We are children of God, and we can be comfortable with that. And when we are comfortable with that, life changes. You have a purpose. You have something that you can be proud of, and you can walk in that. You have times where you can be proud. right? When we were walking with Christ, we're proud. We're happy. Look what I have done because Christ is working through me. Wow. I've turned away from him again. I I feel good gross. I feel disgusting again. Good. That means the Holy Spirit's still working in you, right? Praise God for being disgusting, (laughs) right? Go take a shower. Get right with him. Get back in the game. When you discover your spiritual gift or gifts, it will give you a sense of direction and a purpose that brings joy to your life. It does this because you are ministering in a way that you were designed to minister. Don't sign up for the ministry of the nursery if you hate kids, okay? Jamie Romanowitz will never be in our nursery. He hates kids. Not in a bad way, just in a way that he knows he doesn't want to be around kids, okay? I'm not going to put Jamie in the nursery. I'm not going to guilt him in there, but I will say, dude, lead our men's ministry. No, I don't want to. Well, let's pray about it. Okay, I have to. Jesus said so, right? You don't have to want to be in the nursery. If God wants you to be there, he's going to put you there, right? That's the person I want in there. It's who God wants in there. Make sense? You're no longer a hammer being used as a saw. I can't put my hammer in the nursery. It don't work that way, (laughs) right? I need saws so they can saw logs, right? Babies, get it? Sleeping? Nothing? Okay. Are you... hammer being used to drive or pull nails. That's what you need to be doing. Number two, freedom to embrace and enjoy who you are. This allows you to minister out of desire rather than guilt, right? I want you to minister out of desire rather than guilt. Why do you think Judy fits so well at the food pantry? She had a desire to do so. Why do you think she works so well down in the potlucks? She has a desire to do so. Does she need help to do that? Absolutely, right? That's why we're all here as a body. You know, I don't want to organize food. I don't want to know, figure out how, who, who needs biscuits and who needs gravy. Judy says, give them both. And I'm like, why didn't I think of that? I don't think of that. That's not my job, right? Praise God for people like Judy. I'll preach every Sunday, but I don't know if I want to do that, right? You're not there just to fill a spot. That's the point. God's calling you to that spot. He's putting you there for a reason. So if it's to be in the nursery, if it's to be over at the food pantry, that's what you're, you're to do. You are not there to bring joy to those little ones. You're there to bring joy to the little ones whom you're ministering to there. You're the, there to bring joy to the neighborhood, right? That's why my wife does a lot of the children's stuff downstairs, but she doesn't come over and help with the food pantry, right? It's not her job to... She, It's not her delight to to do that. It is her delight to, to raise up children the way they should go. Right? Makes sense? The joy that results from impacting lives. Guess what, guys? That was number three. The joy that results from impacting lives. Joy is infectious, is it not? When somebody gets excited about doing something... It can't help but spread off on you. And you're like, I really want to be in a bad mood right now. Come on, let's do this. It'll be fun. Get shot by Nerf darts. I don't think that sounds like fun. Oh, it'll be great. I'll laugh at you and and, and I'll have fun. And then you'll have fun because I'm laughing at you. Why do they talk us into those things? Right? But they do. Right? And it's fun because I get to see the joy on their faces. I don't care if I get shot. Right? I don't care if I'm the butt of the joke either. Your joy will overflow into others, which will pour into others. Remember, the Lord blesses for a thousand generations. The Lord is quick to share his blessing of joy as well. It doesn't just stop with you when it overflows into them. It will just cascade on down and on down and on down. The floodgates usually stop with the most mature Christian, right? And if it can go over that person, watch out, it's going to cascade for a long time right? Be that cascade of joy. Number four, affirm affirmation of your victory with Christ. This is Ephesians chapter 4, 7, and 8. However, he has given each one of us a special gift. This is grace. This is salvation, okay? Not spiritual gifts. The gift of grace through the generosity of Christ. This is why the scriptures say, when he ascended into the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Those gifts are his spiritual gifts, okay? The first one is salvation. The second one is the fruit fruit of the Spirit and our spiritual gifts, okay? There's a lot that, that entails in that. When we see spiritual gifts manifest in ourselves, it is a confirmation that Christ is in us. If you ever see something that you can't really explain, like I've never done that before, and it's just there? That's Jesus, right? I don't have a desire to cuss anymore. That's Jesus. That's a blessing that's more of a fruit of the Spirit kind of gift. I don't have, I have this uncanny, I had this kid come, it was Alex. Remember tall Alex? He comes and says, I can walk up to people in church now and know where they sin. What am I supposed to do with that? I don't know. <laughs> Usually you don't confront them to the face, but sometimes they need that too, right? That was the gift of sermon in and in words of knowledge that I've never seen before, right? He's like, I'm not really sure how to deal with this. How should I deal with that? Well, don't be rude. It says, speak the truth in love. We had that conversation and all that stuff, but that was one of the conversations we had, it's a confirmation that we are in Christ Jesus. Number five, accountability. As you, you will be held responsible for the stewardship of your gift. What's it mean to be a steward? It means to be a bond servant, right? The Lord is giving this house over to you. And he says, take care of this gift. It is precious. It is something that needs to be developed. And I'm putting it in your care, along with your children, and along with other things like that. It's just as precious. And I want you to use it for my glory and see when I come back, I've given you five talons. What have you produced with it? I produced five more. Well well done. Come on into my house. Right? Disciples who make disciples of Jesus—that's one kind of important too. All right, we can make disciples of ourselves. But that's not what we want. We want disciples of Jesus. The gifts never go away, friend. They might be like an old saw in the shed that doesn't work very well because we let it rust up. But we start getting used to it again, it'll shine right back up and it'll cut just as good. Those old saws work great. They need our attention. They need to be well-oiled. They need to be on the forefront of our ministry and then developed. Otherwise, they might not show up when we need them. I need your discernment, Lord. Well, yeah, I've been using it very well lately because you've been making some pretty stupid mistakes. Right? Lord, forgive me. Give me clean hands. Give me a pure heart. Let us not turn our souls to another. God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your name, O God of David. That's a song. But when Jesus is our master, he brings our harmonies that are all around. He brings them in. He weaves them together under his melody, and he produces something sweet that becomes a masterpiece that the world can't help but listen to. Sometimes we get pushed back by that, don't we? The world doesn't want to hear that melody. Satan wants to take everybody he can to hell. But we're gonna keep playing the tune because Christ told us. What's Satan do about that? He plays his own tune. This is more attractive over here. No, no, no. Stay steady go down the narrow road, right? When we get to the end, Jesus is going to look at all our actions that we've done after we've had faith in him because of his grace, and he's going to and he's going to judge us on those actions, right? After our faith Okay, faith's got to come first. That's really, really, really important, okay? But then it's up to you and me and us together, amen? Let's pray. Lord, you are an awesome God who's given and given and given and given, and you'll give more because we're sinners. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. We ask that you would come alongside us today. Lord, I I pray that we would develop these gifts that you've given, that we would take some time to look into them and to know what we may have. And I pray that we would build up this disciple-making community. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us a disciple-making way of Christ Jesus. As we go through every part of this day, help us to love you and to love the people who cross our paths, starting with our family. Don't let us miss the adventures you were sending our way to live and to speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw our hearts to you and specific people you want us to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit, transform us into followers of Jesus who love you, who love people, who make disciples, who make more disciples, ad infinitum. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you.